Special thanks to everyone who pledged money to crowdfund the show this week, including Matt Lacey, David Walker, Tim Edwards, Illico Elia, Andy Hagen, Jamie Holland, Roland Roberts, Ian Wilkinson, Alistair Harding, Dan Lane, Ian Mercer and John Balshaw. There's a full list of our supporters on 361podcast.com, along with information on how to help us for as little as $1 per episode via Patreon. Hello and welcome to 361, a podcast about mobile technology and the world around it. My name is Ben Smith. I'm Rose Blanford. I'm Ewan McLeod. Recorded on the 1st of November 2018, this is Season 16, Episode 3, and this week we're talking about the return of Palm with their new device, the uh, Palm. We ask whether companion devices will be a real thing. And why you'd buy one to replace your smartphone, sometimes. Welcome back, chaps. How are you? Woo! Very good, thank you. Oh, Rafe Banff has woken up. How is Copenhagen, you and McLeod, live and direct from Copenhagen? Live and direct. Coming at yep. you. It's, uh, it's very good, really nice. Still a little bit, just, we're getting chilly. It's getting into the, the winter now. It's uh, very dark outside. Very nice. Uh, bit of sun still. I mean, it's freezing, but a bit of sun. Very nice. Yeah, Northern Hemisphere, definitely still having seasons as per. Um, again, I'm still enjoying the view of your basement ceiling as well. Sorry about that. I feel like if we're going to talk about smart lighting from time to time, you could install something more exciting directly above your head. It's a bit, you know. Yeah, bit that, more... that's a crap one, isn't it? I'm sorry. Bogo standard, warm I've got, white. There's two smart ones here, but you can't see them. Right. Well, just for those listening, we're looking at you and on a video line. Live. While we record this, although we don't release the video because you people have suffered enough. You wouldn't want to see nonsense. that. No, no. no. Rafe Blanford is also here. I am, yes. Sitting in Brick Lane. Excellent. Yes, live in the, in the hustling, bustling heart of London's Brick Lane. And how about you, Ben? How are you doing? Remember to ask at this episode. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. I'm good. Thank you for asking. Yes, I'm busy and starting to think about Christmas. I do have some listener feedback. They complained that we talked about Arlo's a little bit too much and wondered whether we were sponsored by them. I can categorically say no, we're not, but we will have the episode update on Arlo. Anything interesting captured on your Arlo, Ben? Cats and pheasants. Pheasants. Oh, pheasants. Okay, great. <laughs> Maybe on your Arlo's, the peasants. Yes, cats and <laughs> Sitting in front of Arlo's is definitely a first world problem. Yes, and uh, I have lots of uh, images at the top of my postman's head. Excellent. Well. Excellent. Yeah. So things of the week. Okay, so things of the week. I'm going to go first this week. I have got my new Apple Watch 4. At last. How is it? Finally arrived. Which one did you buy? I got the GPS and the cellular one. Yes. So yeah. it's a, it's a space. It? Yeah, I'm, there you go. See, so mm, that yeah. works really well on audio. It's a uh, space gray the larger size i think that works quite well well obviously you didn't buy the small one did you well I, it was tempted because it was what well the the, the old large one was in the middle so you know it, it's fractional but i went for the large one it works really well i'm quite liking it i think it's now a much more mature complete product than the first one that i had it feels faster and better and less hanging together there's still a few things that i have sort of not quite getting on with it i'm getting notification overkill at the moment but I'm quite liking the fact that I can leave my phone at home or, more importantly, probably at my desk and walk away. Use it for Apple Pay, the, the watch. Yep, have done. Yep, so using yeah, it. it's really good at it. Yeah. Travel on the tube most days. As we get into the winter, I'm taking the tube a bit more than walking because it's cold and wet in London. So you can use that to pay for... You have to do the awkward tube thing where you put yeah. your, your arm across you. Not really pay at the gate line. It. Yeah, although that does also mean that your wrist is facing the right way. But I was using Apple True. Pay on my phone every day, so I'm using it on the watch now, which is cool. Really liking that. Had an absolute nightmare getting it from EE. Uh, I'll tell that story another time. But my thing would be never, ever interact with a mobile network through its retail store, ever. Agreed. Would just be my okay. advice. Okay, so uh, what about your things of the week? Mine is a TV program. Okay. Because I just I couldn't think of something that was actually relevant, and actually it's, it's prompted by a tweet of you. You were talking about um, bad people. Oh, quiet bad people. Quiet bad people, and I remembered the the thick of it TV series, which I really really like. My wife has uh, been travelling a few days last week, and so I got home of an evening and sort of had to watch telly on my own, sitting alone eating my dinner for one, and I put that on <laughs> Netflix, and yeah, if you haven't watched the thick of it, you definitely should. Brilliant shows available on, uh, really on Netflix. Cool. Don't watch it if you're offended by swearing. Have you watched Norsemen? Did I tell you about Norsemen? No. Have I not told you about Norsemen? I thought, no. oh, right, since I'm doing TV, right, okay, 
Norsemen, check it out on Netflix, is a, a humorous take on the kind of consensual, very polite, very constructive, emotionally whole Nordic lifestyle only as Vikings. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. It's really interesting having these Vikings talking about fashion statements and consensual decision-making processes during battle, you know, that kind of thing. Is this basically the Scandinavian version of Gogglebox? Uh, no, no. This American is, listeners I, are going to struggle with what Gogglebox is. Oh, well, yeah. never mind. All right, um, you need to Google that one. It's a show where people are filmed watching TV. I, I don't, that, my understanding there. I've never out. actually watched it, though. Mm, no, neither have I. Right, no, so something must have got, like, Norsemen is a physical, there are Vikings, but they are, it's using a modern Nordic kind of view. It's a comedy. Check it out. It's really interesting because it's filmed both in Norwegian. So it's a Norwegian, right? So the actors all speak Norwegian, but then they do the whole take again, the whole scene again in English. So there's two versions. Wow. Particularly interesting. So check it out, Norsemen on um, Netflix. There you go. There's two things of the week. That's our culture correspondent live from Denmark. Done. Uh, live, thank you. Uh, so I've been suffering from uh, passive-aggressive notifications after updating my... Uh, smart scale app and and started reminding me to weigh myself pretty much every other day and i found myself standing on the scale thinking why am i doing this because i've just been prompted to do it by a push notification so it's just (laughs) reminding about the power of uh nudge behavior and actually if you're doing apps or anything like that think about your engagement strategy because it really does work because i was sort of encouraged onto the bathroom scales for the first time in six months (laughs) <laughs> said one person at what, a time, please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which scale? What, what manufacturer? So this was uh, the uh, Wythings uh, Healthmate. The Nokia one. Nokia, now back to Wythings as well. Yes. Are we saying yeah. Wythings? I thought it was Withings. Withings. I'm never quite sure how I'm well, I thought it was Wythings. Well, anyway, I assumed it was Wi-Fi things or Wythings. Anyway, push notifications. And actually, I find myself using a lot for things like when I'm alerted to new things on Netflix or kind of the news briefing from the BBC or from The Guardian. And we talk a lot about our favorite apps and uh, what we're using them, but sometimes the best apps are the ones that you never open just because you get your push notification. I think Dark Sky, the weather application, is one of those. And actually, I didn't go into the uh, Smart Scale app or the HealthMate app. It just reminded me to kind of do so and get a bit more data recorded. And it's just actually a lot of that has become a lot more sophisticated. You know, Netflix does personalize the push notifications. Google's quite good about sending you notifications about when you need to depart on a commute journey and things like that. You know, and Uber's doing it as well. All of those are you know, really quite powerful bits of functionality. And it was just a useful reminder of that this week with that uh, nudge behavior. Before we move on, can I have one more thing of the oh, week? I just then. remembered. A few episodes back, I talked about SmartThings version 3, mm-hmm. which we all like for our home automation. And I talked about the new SmartThings hub and the new things that were coming it's now mm. available in the UK, mm. launched in Ooh. the States a couple of weeks back. It, it's now available in the UK. I'm excessively excited about the button. It's a little Zigbee button that's about the size of an Apple Watch because that range, would you believe it, is very light on simple sort of yeah. family-friendly yes. ways yes. to interact with, with this stuff. So that's Ace. All those new sensors work with the old hub, so you don't need to upgrade, which is brilliant. One of the downsides, though, is that I was really raving about it because the button, for example, was 15 bucks in the States. I was like, that's brilliant. These are going to be nice, cheap, get loads of them everywhere. You know, um, that's really good value for money. Mm. £25 sterling in the UK. Brilliant. Oh, come on. Now, I mean, even at the worst exchange rate, it should be £15, which, you know, we, we're used to a straight dollar to pound conversion now, uh, what with tax and things, but... They've yes. seen you coming, sadly, and that's not very well, helpful. I thought maybe that was just the Samsung site which was gouging me, but that's also what Amazon are retailing them for as well. And so the, the launch pricing in the US in Best Buy was $15, and the launch pricing in the UK is 25 sterling. Any other reason to upgrade to version 3? Well, you don't need to upgrade to version 3 of the hub, but what you should do is make sure that if you're buying motion sensors or buttons or any of the smart things branded accessories get the new ones in every way the performance of those things is improved and they all now have temperature sensors in as well so they're all even the button this tiny little 15 slash 25 pound thing actually has a temperature sensor in it as well i'm just using it to turn lights on and off for when um it's not appropriate to use the echo the voice command yeah that's nice yeah for our lamps you know you just sometimes you just want to kill them all and go to bed or you know, my wife might be asleep in the bedroom and talking to Alexa is, um, you know, noisy. Anyways, yeah, so uh, an extra thing of the week. I just had a little question on things of the week. Because it's been two years since I've lived in the UK for a period of time. What is it like with the networks? Can you possibly 
watch Netflix on the train? Yes, I do. So, for example, can you, can you reasonably properly watch an episode of The Thick of It on the train now? Yeah, I do regularly. iPlayer, which is the BBC's streaming thing, and indeed YouTube as well. There's still spots where there's no coverage, but the other thing that's improved is all of those players cache and pre-cache enough that if there is a yeah you no longer need like a continuous really high quality stream like you used to you know the moment you drop the signal everything would grind to a halt in the back I, I remember being scandalized by even thinking about the possibility of streaming yeah from netflix or equivalent yeah. or amazon prime on the train that's, I that's interesting prime shows and netflix stuff on the train yeah it's doable not perfect right. but certainly doable so riff blanford what are we talking about this week well, this week we're going to talk about something prompted by Palm, and that's all very exciting because Palm is back, apparently. But, well, I, I thought they were dead. Well, yeah, so did I, but someone has <laughs> licensed their brand from HTC, I think, of all people who ended... HP. HP or HTC, HP yeah, whoever ended oh, yeah, up with Palm, right. yeah, yeah. and uh, have launched a very exciting companion device, I believe. But Ben is one of the, I think, most ardent supporters of Palm, and mm. having had fun times with them at various events, can probably tell us about what the new Palm device is. Well, I, I think everybody who works at Palm at the Mobile World Congress, where they were so awful to us, I mean, you and I got turfed out of the press briefing, didn't we? For no, I know they were not happy. The were breathing. They? What were we doing? I think I we don't were know. trying why, to. Why was you, yeah? Was it you, were you? Did you ask awkward questions or something? No, you were filming me, and yeah. That wasn't uh, I remember okay. it because we were filming an episode at mm. Palm Pre, at the Palm yeah. stand, and they didn't yeah. want that. No. Because we were the episode forbidden. did, of course, mention Palm, yeah. or was going, was going to, but then they didn't get out. They said, you can't film here. Yeah. They were miserable, but that was at the height of when they launched the Pre device, which was the... I mean, actually, I've got one. I've subsequently bought a Pre because I... Th- oh, wow. Ben, we're going to have to judge yeah, you for what that. What were you doing? Palm, the corporate culture, was crap. Yeah. But the device just had so many things that have subsequently gone on to be, you know, really successful. Mm. The card-based operating system and wireless charging and all these sorts of things. But I loved Palm because, I mean, I had a Palm Pilot. Like, my first exposure to mobile computing was a Palm Pilot and doing graffiti writing, you know, graffiti-style writing. Those were the days. They were good devices. I really liked them. So fast forward to the current day, we've got this device that's branded Palm, which is basically a device that you can sync stuff to and have as a small device in your pocket a companion device i'm not really sure i see the point of this Mm. i really don't want to be down on people trying to do new things in mobile technology because you know you have to take a risk and you have to make a fairly big gamble yeah the market needs to launch new device categories because it's all felt a bit incremental for a very long time but i'm really struggling to think that this is the right answer. I can see that there's a lot of other things going on around, you know, sort of persistent mobile connectivity sort of stuff that feels like the right answer. But let's back up a bit because, Rafe, I think your description hasn't necessarily done justice for this device. So that's probably so, fair. Ewan, can you sort of explain what this Palm device is? And let's, let's just try and build a picture for people who haven't actually seen it already. So as far as I can tell, it's a device that you can use without your phone that you would take. Um, so hold on a minute. It, right. It's a small smartphone. Yeah, it's a small, small smartphone. Big smartphone. Doesn't have, does it have connectivity in it? That's what I wasn't yeah. clear on. It does have connectivity. It's like an Apple Watch in as much as it's got a right, virtual yes, that, SIM yes. inside of it, yes. but it's connected yes. to your main phone's account. So... The idea is that you don't want to take out, apparently, your $1,500 smartphone to the club, your $1,500 iPhone Max XRR XS Gear, whatever, doesn't fit in your handbag. So, therefore, you have to right take for out... saying that to me before the show, actually. Yeah. Exactly, right. So, you take your Palm device, which isn't cheap, if I remember correctly, right? You know, it's, like, it's a phone companion that you can use when you don't want your whole phone with you. And it's, it's, it's an interesting concept. It's almost like they've gone back to the kind of Nokia thing, which is, you know, you only need five apps, you know, like a clock, an alarm, maybe in today's world, Instagram, Facebook, and, and whatnot. So it's got some apps on it, right? It's got a few interesting ones. But then the idea is in the evening, you would, well, at least that's how it's been. That's, how, that's the advert I was watching was, you know, some lady, some model, you know, leaving her phone at home. And then going out and having a great time with her palm. It's, I don't quite know. Go on, you try it. 
You've done an awful, awful <laughs> job of explaining that. Okay, well, what's the website say, right? So we can actually read it out. You know? So f- first of all, as we record this, it's being released tomorrow. So this is 1st of November today. It's being released tomorrow. And they're pitching it as a device that helps you get away from being so reliant on having your phone with you all the time. There's lots of lifestyle shots of people sort of overly finding phones too intrusive. So they yes. throw this sort of lightweight small phone in their pocket, which does all the things they need to do. It's got access to apps. It's got a camera on it, but it's more convenient. It's partly voice powered and it's a sort of a lightweight phone, which sort of does just enough. But I'm really struggling to understand why the things that manufacturers are putting on it about tracking your usage time and that kind of stuff on your actual yes. phone wouldn't do the same job. Because if I have spent a thousand quid on a smartphone, and actually lots of people haven't, if I've spent 200 quid on a smartphone, why do I want to buy another device that, you know, sort of does the same job, but poorly? Yes. What's it called, this thing? It's called the Palm. Just the Palm? It's just the Palm. I can't remember, right? Because I just wonder. Again, all good. Well done for innovating. Some people may love it. I just, I, what, can we talk about why you would need it? What's the point of it? Well, again, I think they're pitching it. So, Rafe, I mean, this is almost like a different approach to a smartwatch. The idea is that you're persistently connected, but it's not with your phone. It's not every single app, every single notification all the time. And that you can sort of just pick up a device which has got a subset of your connectivity that you want. And all the promo shots of people socializing or do running or jogging or that kind of stuff where times where you know, looking at your phone isn't the most important thing to do. And they've got this feature called life mode, which is sort of contextual muting of notifications and that kind of stuff when you're out and about. So it's sort of, they're pitching it as being less intrusive. There's definitely some clever ideas in here. And I feel very much in favor of the look up from your digital device. And anyone who's used screen time or the equivalent on Android will know you can spend multiple hours looking at your device. And I think they're has been a bit of a backlash against that and in both the recent Android and iOS updates. There's attempts to manage that and grey out icons and things like that. And this is part of that same movement. Yet it feels like that this is sort of a kind of an over-engineered approach to this because it's basically having a secondary or a companion device that you might choose to sometimes have with you. The reason I thought it was interesting to talk about this is because actually we are now in a place where it's quite common to have other devices that you carry around with you for specific tasks and for communications. But this one feels maybe like it's a bit of a stretch. And I do like the idea that it's an alternative approach to the Apple Watch, but it doesn't feel like it has a kind of key secondary task in the same way, you know, the Apple Watch is about, I would say, fitness tracking and about telling the time. This is just like a a slightly cut down smartphone that sometimes you have to carry with you. And it's an extra thing you have to charge and all of that. I don't want us to spend too much time on this because, I mean, there are some nice software tricks in here. You know, Ben referred to kind of the voice control and some of the gesture support it has in there. And it does have some of the key apps, which I think is interesting. But it does put me in mind of a question, you know, when is it acceptable to carry around a second device? And what are the devices we're kind of using now? Because, I mean, one of the first arguments against this is like people just don't want a second device. They want one thing that does everything. I'm not sure that's so true anymore. The smartphone is the central controlling thing in your life, I think it's probably disappeared a little bit in the last few years. I think the problem is real, but the solution is wrong. So as you look through Palm's information, it talks about, hey, it's got all your favorite apps. It's got a camera. It's got face recognition. Leave your phone behind. Yeah, you've got, you can write on it with a stylus. You can stream music. I mean, actually, the things that it can't do of virtually nothing. I mean, it does them in a restricted way because the device itself is about the size of a credit card. Is the marketing spiel here. So it is smaller, but actually, aside from turning off notifications when you want to, it's actually not less capable. It can do most of these things. And I'm just not sure that, you know, you want to have a better balance of when you're doing things and not being distracted by your phone, that buying another physical device, which is almost exactly like your phone and in sync with your phone, and hooked up to the same account is the right way to do it. I don't think the watches are perfect. But again, Rafe, I think the point is that it's sort of there with you in a different way, doing a different job, and it will play music for you, or it will do your sports tracking. 
But actually, if you choose to put your phone down and walk away and just rely on a watch or something like that, it's a totally different experience. It's not a smaller smartphone. I think that's exactly right. You have to think about the use scenario and it needs to be sufficiently differentiated and convenient to actually be kind of worth making that decision. It's easy to go to the Apple Watch, particularly with the, you know, relatively recent introduction of cellular on that and the idea that you can have phone calls and stand alone. And I think for people going out exercising, for example, that's a choice that you see quite commonly. But there has also been the introduction of, you know, these kind of zero or no phones where it's really going back to basics. It's you know, often a feature phone and actually some of the kind of new Nokia devices, the 3210 and the 7110 kind of play into that thing of having just a basic feature phone and a lot of the KaiOS devices, are, there's almost this resurgence in feature phones. I mean, I haven't looked at the shipment numbers in detail, but what you can say is that smartphones haven't become universal for everybody. There are still those devices being sold out there in significant numbers. And that's partly because there does seem to be a genuine desire for some people to still be connected, but not have that kind of full intrusion into their life. And I think that's the critical thing here. It feels like they've got the balance wrong. If you're going to go for that, would you not go for a phone that is like bare minimum? It allows you to get phone calls and text messages, maybe. And something a bit up from that, like the feature phones, which have the Mm. long battery life, indestructible and all that part of it. This still feels like it's just not cutting enough almost. Well, while you're talking, I just realised I haven't said the price. I was like, I'm looking through the information sheet. Where's the price? price? It's 350 bucks. Like this is craziness. Apple Watch can be up in that range, but it's a completely different device with a completely different use case. What's the cheapest iPhone? Is it like six hundred dollars? That is a good. I don't know in dollars, but that's an interesting thing. But you're going to have to buy this outright. I think if you wanted a second phone that was disposable, waterproof, lose-proof, feature phone, whatever, you want to pay forty, fifty quid. Well, you could pay forty or fifty quid, but even if you wanted something that was like a small phone for going out or something like that, you could get one for 100, 200 pounds, 100, 200 dollars. And the only thing that you're missing out on here is the sharing of the data plan and the phone number, because the fact that most of your data lives in Google or iCloud or all of those sorts of things, having the devices permanently in sync is pretty much standard, even if you had multiple normal phones at the moment. The um, Just let's check the iPhone 7, the current low-end iPhone, $449 entry level. And the other thing is, I mean, it is a standard Android phone, so you can put anything you like on it, but it is small, and therefore, you know, some of the applications won't work. I mean, I am interested in the idea of a really small device that's convenient to carry around with you. But the trouble is, you know, even the kind of the bigger devices now are still quite thin. It's not the advantage that it may have been, you know, a little while ago, particularly with what you're giving up. One of the things I'd like to come back to, though, is actually this idea that, you know, you switch down to a, a lesser device. Actually, I think the more common thing now is if you're carrying lots of devices around with you, you actually do it because you want a much different mode. And so this would be the argument why some people carry an iPad around for them because they want the bigger screen. So one of the things that's maybe interesting to talk about in this episode is actually when does it become acceptable to have a second device? You know, what are the core ones in your digital life? And is there room for something like this, which is kind of the cut down small phone? I'm not understanding it. So let's stop talking about Palm for a minute because this is a, confusing device at the moment initially it's only going to be on verizon in the states and it definitely feels like it could be driven but as much by the needs of the mobile networks than it is yeah. actually as a consumer offering i'm remembering about you and what was that vodafone service that you absolutely skewered oh my god that smartphone service where they never actually sold any and i remember mobile oh, Review. Yeah. you wrote this scathing <laughs> blog post about it that upset a lot of people oh that was the, those are the date vodafone was it V something? Was it Life something? One wasn't it? One or something? Three sixty. One three sixty. Vodafone three sixty. That was it. Yeah. And like, although it was a totally different proposition, and actually now some of the things that they're proposing have sort of become products. It was like when mobile operators do things because mobile operators want your money. They're motivated by trying to own bits of segments of markets and things. Then it always is horrible. But when they're driven by what do users need and how can we make their lives better, then you can grow products that in turn make money. So let's move away from Palm and Verizon for a moment because it's like, I'm not nostalgic for Palm, but I am kind of, I don't understand why they're using the name because all of the things I understand about Palm historically are just not there. there. It's just a a brand that people are familiar with. Well, 
I don't think people are familiar with it. I mean, like us nerds are familiar with it, but it's not, it doesn't have consumer recognition. And for those of us who do remember what it is, none of the characteristics that you immediately associate with Palm, like terrible PR people and interesting, <laughs> interesting devices are there as well. I mean, but even Palm at its worst, when it was just like a nasty HP enterprise device, had some nice, elegant, forward-looking characteristics, which you know, are now things that Android and iPhone mm. devices now have. Who are you calling a nerd, by the way? Uh, <laughs> I fetch you a mirror, shall I? So companion devices, I'm interested in this idea, Rafe, because it certainly is the case that there are different times and places for Absolutely. different types of devices. And I suppose the hypothesis is, well, quite a lot of people have tablets or home media devices. We all have smartphones. A smaller number of people have smartwatches. Some people have fitness tracker devices. An increasing number of people have home assistants. And it's beginning to feel like this is a sort of a continuum as those other devices have sort of found a place in people's lives. So why wouldn't you have like a smart device and a leisure device? Because some of the press that we were reading earlier ridicules Palm for launching with loads of cases and fancy holders and like a fashion device. But actually, that's okay. Like I own different watches, you know, not because they're like one is better than telling the time. It's like one looks nice with a suit. The other one looks nice you know, with casual wear and stuff, it can be okay to buy things on that basis. Yeah, and actually that's one of the things that kind of makes sense for me. But I think it's an interesting topic, this, because for the first 10 years of smartphones, we talked about convergence all the time. The idea that it would be loads of devices in one, and it was just the one thing you had to carry with you. And I think if there's a trend that's been interesting mobile, which, as you rightly mm. have said before, is kind of stagnated down to these glass slab screens and actually kind of just small incremental improvements around camera or specific bits of technology. But actually in terms of, you know, real change, especially in form factor and what they do, arguably quite limited, but kind of snuck up on us by surprise is the fact that it is quite normal to have multiple devices that exist in your personal ecosystem. So this idea of convergence into a single device has sort of Mm. died away a little bit. And, you know, it's not going to be the same for everyone. And you listed a few devices there, the tablet, and I, I know I would include some of the, uh, smart home, especially the smart speakers in this, the idea of ambient audio assistance. But equally well, you can think about, you know, some of the things that have been taken out of the smartphone are now available elsewhere. And, you know, ebooks was something I used my smartphone for a lot in the early days, but I wouldn't be without a Kindle because that's a great reading device. You've always loved your Kindle. Hmm. And I have. And it's because, I mean, I enjoy reading books, but the technology there with the e-ink and the kind of backlit display has got to the point where it's, you know, I would argue a great experience for reading, whereas trying to do it on your smartphone is a recipe for kind of eye strain and running the battery down. And I'm just wondering whether, you know, we should not be skeptical about kind of these newer devices appearing now. I don't think this new Palm is the right one, but it would be interesting to measure how your attention towards digital devices is now being spread across multiple devices. And I mean, this is a personal anecdote, but I use an iPad quite a bit at home for kind of browsing and consuming media. Obviously, I'm using a smartphone a lot, and actually the amount of time spent on that is quite scary, but do use a watch for keeping track of notifications, being nudged to do certain things, as well as telling the time, and it's my fitness tracker. Talked about the Kindle, and I am talking to you know my Alexa and to the Google Home stuff. All of that is actually, that's my attention spread across a lot of devices, mm. and that is partly because they all interact and work well with each other. But if you'd asked me, you know, probably 10 years ago at the height of when the iPhone had come in, when Symbian was still a big deal, when, you know, there was a lot of competition in that space. When Symbian was a big deal? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Well, people are alive back then. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Actually, now, I think one of the advent of things like cloud and everything else is actually it, it's possible for you to worry less about the device you're addressing and more about the services and the things you get from it. And it's also, of course, the commodification. All the costs of these things have come down, so it's easier. I think those are fancy words, and you're probably right, because you're incredibly clever. But (laughs) but I'd do it more basically than that, which is I only want to put one thing in my pocket. Right. And I've only got one pocket-sized space, and I don't want to be looking at an array of devices in front of me and choosing one. There's just one device, and that one goes in my pocket. And when I'm not picking it up and putting it in my pocket, that's because I don't want to carry something in my pocket. So I rely on the thing on my wrist or I rely mm-hmm. on the computer in my desk or I rely on the thing on the kitchen counter. And so I think devices that are 
hey, we heard you didn't want to use a phone, so we made a slightly smaller phone to replace your phone. Are not going to work. Are not going to work Mm. because they're not different. But I think that I do believe in companion devices because at the moment, most fitness trackers are clipped on a belt or worn like a watch, and that's fine. But why can't they be attached to my shoe or sewn Mm. into my wallet or in my laptop bag? You know, why can't they be on my key ring? For a while, we went to Mobile Congress and we saw those smart rings, which originally were for like doing authentication and payments and things. But You know, I do believe in companion devices that will mean that you don't need to obsess about having your phone with you all the time for those sort of basic functions. But it feels like it's the other form factors that have an opportunity Mm. to solve those problems. You know, if if it's a kind of put a widget in your pocket, well, yeah, okay, like it's a what? It's a few inches smaller than my phone. But actually, for the most part, we've solved that problem. For 10 years, I've carried a phone with me every waking moment. You know, the times when I thought, gosh, this is novel and inconvenient and, you know, all this kind of stuff that that passed years ago. So are you suggesting actually it becomes more about occupying the adjacent spaces by taking, and it may not be taking function out of the phone, it may be extending it into new areas, you know, a lot of that's about new sensors and convenience, where if it's something's trying to occupy the same space and the same context, it probably isn't going to work. Well, it's a case of all of the other devices that have found a place in my life specialize in doing a niche job and they don't try and replace my phone my phone is sort of the thing that does everything the yeah you know it can do everything from step tracking plays me music you know it's got all my apps i can do work i can do entertainment i can control my home you know it's absolutely everything but then everything else is sort of a subset of that that's more specially tailored and i think these companion devices i definitely believe in them but i'm baffled why in the product shots there's a picture of your palm device and your phone. Hey, look, they're in sync. They're exactly the same. And it's like, it just looks like one's slightly closer to the camera. I mean, it's almost as if palm should have just said, we're making small smartphones. We're the small smartphone company. And they could, they, yeah, yeah. we value in that, I think. Yeah. Reasonable thing to do. And you could specialize. That could be your niche because they're using Android. So everybody can use it already. They've not invented an ecosystem. They have TCL were making it so they can make some nice, relatively high quality hardware because they do yeah. TCL do BlackBerry, don't they? I think, yeah. you know, so they're, they're competent manufacturers. Looks like a quite nice device. You know, I'm, I'm just not understanding how that works. And um, even uh, recently, and I'm going to, because I didn't research it, I'm going to forget the name. There have been a bunch of sort of version two of the Google Glass, which actually is sort of yeah. real glasses with holographic projection on the lenses, which are less intrusive than the Google Glass. Those are devices that are trying to make you connected in different ways that are complementary. And that makes sense to me. And while I think there's a lot of value in having the same number on the this sort of secondary device, I'm just not sure it's enough. And so it feels like a marketing miss. I think you're right when you say if it had been marketed as a small smartphone with the Palm brand, that could have been interesting because it would have got enough attention. And it, it's very noticeable that because of the Palm brand, it did pick up a lot of attention. It's also picked up a lot of attention because it's being marketed pretty hard. There's yeah. obviously a lot of There's spend lot, going into this. Money behind it, which just speaks to the power of marketing and brand. But yeah, what you were saying about it's the devices that orbit around your smartphone make a lot of sense because they're adding real value. And actually that just makes your life more convenient because it's basically finding that niche. But trying to replace that thing that everything orbits around just feels like a misstep. Yeah. And certainly, I think the advent of virtual SIMs that mean that you can associate devices with your mobile carrier, receive phone calls, you know, have iMessages come in, all that kind of stuff, that's powerful. But that can't just be in one or two sort of novel companion devices. It's got to be absolutely persistent. So, Ewan, would you buy a Palm? Uh, would I buy one? I've seen you buy some ridiculous stuff in there. Thank you. Thank you. No, no, I, I think I wish them every success. It may find a market and good luck to them. Not for me, I don't think. But I'm particularly interested to know what you're doing with your devices generally at the moment. It's been a while since we checked in. We got a good overview, I think, from Rafe there. But what about you? What's your, what did you say, Rafe? Device ecosystem. Is that right? This is interesting, actually. So I think you're picking up on a question that George asked us on Twist. So we were mm. having a chat with some of the listeners and George, he suggested a whole bunch of topics, and I think we will actually come back to some of them, but one of the topics he suggested was around whether or not you like embrace ecosystems, because this Palm device right. makes a big deal about, oh, it will sync with your iPhone or it will sync with Android. You know, yes. it's, it's sort of yes. 
even though it itself is an Android device, it's not locking you into an ecosystem. But in some respects, actually, I look at the Android world like it's another planet now. I'm, I'm, I'm interested what's happening there, but it's no more relevant to me than, you know, some new shop opening in Shenzhen High Street. You know, like, I, oh, that's interesting. Hey, they have a new fancy, you know, bus in Korea or the Japanese have got a new bullet train. I'm interested, but I don't look at that and think, oh, I'm going to try that out because it's in another world. And for me, Android is another world and mm. it doesn't matter if it's better. I live in iPhone land now. I'll have the best things you can buy in iPhone land, but never do I look at those devices and think, oh, I'll have to change. I mean, it's a bit like going, you know, oh, I'll have to up sticks and move to another country and you know, have a completely different experience. So your Apple ecosystem then, your primary device is your phone. I'm Apple ecosystem, but to the point now where I'm not even questioning whether or not I should change because it's so persistently good enough. Even when it's bad, the sum total of the experience is persistently good enough. I mean, I would buy devices that are not Apple, companion devices, but I wouldn't see a Palm thing, for example, perhaps, you know, only works with Android devices, or I wouldn't see a Samsung device that only worked with uh, Galaxy devices and think, right, oh, right, I've got to have that. I'll change ecosystems. It was just like, oh, look, there's a thing. It's not for me. Well, the interesting thing is, I think there is definitely lock-in around hardware. And it's not just Apple. I think, you know, Samsung, when you start looking at the accessories and maybe VR and things like that, there can be an impact there. But I agree with you, there is real value in choosing to be in the ecosystem. I've got a lot of Apple hardware. I do carry around an Android device as well, but that's partly a conscious decision to just stay familiar punishment. with punishment. Well, <laughs> stay familiar with both platforms. But also a lot of the things around it will work equally well on both. So, you know, if I'm thinking about even something like the Apple Watch, for example, but a lot of the fitness trackers and the kind of the uh, platform agnostic smart watches, whether it's a Windows PC or a Mac, you know, you don't have to make those choices in quite the same way. I think even more critically, it's a lot of the apps on there actually work equally well across both. And so I do tend to use the Google apps on an iPhone, and whether that's Google Maps or Google Photos. And some of that has gone back and forth. But I do wonder if my life would be simpler if I took the Ben view of the world and just went all in. It's sort of been a creeping thing for me. I didn't sort of do it consciously. But I also think it's something that regular consumers aren't thinking about. But when you talk to sort of normal people, they'll sort of go into a phone shop or whatever and they'll see, you know, some snazzy feature or there'll be some sort of novel thing. And they'll oh, that's amazing. I'm going to get that. But then like the reality of, oh, yeah, you'll have to rebuy all of your apps and your iCloud thing won't work and you'll need to change your, the app that does this or your app that does that. And, oh, yeah, there's no iMessage if you're going from iPhone to Android or whatever. I mean, you definitely can replace those things. It's not that there aren't feature-for-feature -feature equivalents, but it's the friction of having to change. Yeah. And I think increasingly the benefit of the difference is smaller than the ecosystem lock-in. And I think perhaps in general conversation, people still aren't recognizing that there is that lock-in, but particularly now, increasingly as people are using like sort of combination of cloud services and things from Apple or Google or whatever, it's more than just back in the bad old days, Rafe, where we used to go, you know, like, oh, I'm an Apple person because I like the Apple phone best, but I could just as easily buy a Windows phone and pick that up and use that because, you know, hey, they both do email, don't they? It's not that simple anymore. And actually, increasingly, that's why I don't think side-by-side -side comparisons, like, you know, this week we've all been looking at side-by-side -side comparisons of, oh, the Pixel 3 camera does this photo and the iPhone XS photo does yeah, exactly. And is that one better or is that one better? Well... Actually, unless you're a camera nerd, who gives a monkeys? Because they're all good enough and you're not going to yeah. change ecosystems because of that fractional difference. Yes. Unless you are absolutely a niche case. That's really interesting. Really interesting. If I think about my way of working, I have a laptop for work and I don't like that. But then I, I, I do quite like the simplicity that it does work. That's a benefit of company laptop. The VPN works. The email works. I have an iPad and I use a Logitech keyboard and the iPad does almost everything I need to do. If you like, that's my primary computer now and I'm thinking about upgrading to the new ones just announced. I have the 9.7 inch. Quite like the idea of the, the big one. I haven't done that yet. And then, well, ecosystem-wise, we're more or less into Apple as a family. The, the boys have iPads. Uh, wife is uh, Apple only. But I've got the mate P20 here, the Android from Huawei. And I, I, I do, I really like Huawei devices. They always 
work really nice with the camera well, they, is they're so ex- familiar to us iphone users aren't they you know well see now but so why i carry i've got the iphone xl or whatever not xxx gear, yeah. gear, gear gti thing whatever yeah. yeah gti and then but i also carry this huawei device that's got the company number so i know when this one rings i you know pick it up so i got two phones two sim or three sims actually quite annoying carrying two phones but then at least I want to keep one, like 50% of Nordea customers, or roughly that, use Android. I don't want to let go off. I still want to experience it a little bit, you know. But you're not normal in that regard because you've got no, that no, for no, a specific no. niche. But actually, if you were just working in a regular office and mobile or digital wasn't no, part you of just, the day job, be one. Yeah. you'd be an iPhone family. Yeah. And as amazing as that Huawei's camera is and however good that device is, it's not that much better or that much cheaper than the iPhone to make you switch. Yes. In some respects, I think that's almost where, you know, going back to these companion devices, that's almost where it gives me pause because I'm thinking, well, actually, as these companion devices emerge, it'll be the ones produced by the Samsungs and the Apples and things that I think have legs because they're the ones that can do the integration because you're locked into the ecosystem and anything which has to be ecosystem agnostic has to be, so general and so loosely coupled that it can't really deliver value comparable with, you know, the tight integration that Apple give, for example, between a watch and an iPhone yeah. or the Gear watch and the Samsung devices. Compromise is arguably what put pay to Pebble and is causing Fitbit problems when they're trying to do smart watches. But there is another interesting element to that, that actually a lot of the value that's in a smartphone is being extracted out into the companion devices in mm-hmm. order to get kind of the full experience, yeah, do you need to have an Apple Watch to be able to dismiss notifications or take the quick phone call or do better exercise tracking? Because although, of course, the phone does the step tracking, it, you know, especially with a new one, it doesn't do the preventative heart stuff or the other things that you, <laughs> I th- you might I think it's not, Technically, it's not preventing well, hearts. Yeah. No, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> preventative the, medical stuff. Yes, yeah, the yeah, uh, yeah. kind of alert. ECG. Or, no, no, EEG. <laughs> Your heart has stopped. <laughs> has stopped. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. But you're right. But also, by that same token, actually, in some ways, the smartphone becomes less valuable because the value it provides is kind of enhanced elsewhere. And that in itself kind of encourages the lock-in because, you know, you go, actually, what is that reason to switch, you know? Because actually they do much the same thing and it's the comfortable, it's the easy choice. The more I think about this Palm device, which I promise I'm going to stop talking about in a minute, the more I think actually that the real story here is not can other people make companion devices that connect up to these existing devices. It's why haven't Google and Apple moved into owning the network space because all of this is being enabled by eSIMs and by the networks allowing these devices to be integrated. So the Palm device uses the same approach of virtual SIMs that the iPad and the Apple Watch and the Samsung smartwatch do. It shares numbers and all that sort of stuff. It started to virtualize calls. It started to blend in Wi-Fi calling and this sort of stuff. And actually, why are Apple and Google not taking over that space more, not perhaps launching their own mobile networks like we all hypothesized years ago, but starting to insist that mobile operators to stock their devices have Apple hardware or Apple services baked into the network so that your ecosystem lock-in becomes inside the networks. It's starting because if you want an Apple Watch with 4G in the UK, you have to pick it from one of the networks, but actually it's not really enabling a wider range of services. I, I can't do anything extra there, but you could. You know, they're already putting little bits in the network. They can grow that footprint. You know, perhaps visual voicemail is the example I'd cite. Yeah. Those are the days, yeah. Well, but, but Apple put things in the network that means that iPhones have visual voicemail that's tightly mm. coupled with the network, with the operator's voicemail. And okay, fine, it's clunky and there are other ways to get around it. But I'm always sort of thinking that that's where I see companion devices being enabled because Apple and Google will lay the groundwork in the operators to allow us to have connected devices that access all these richer services. What do you reckon? Yeah. Ewan's nodding, which works brilliantly I'm with you. Yeah. on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's value in doing that. I think it's not as much as you're kind of implying because it's not everyone has yeah. got to this point where they want those multiple devices yeah. and that kind of virtualization. And so it's not quite like the launch of the iPhone where operators were desperate to get their hands on it. 
nonetheless, it clearly is really convenient when it is that seamless. And anyone who's had the benefit of kind of using that kind of virtualization, particularly across phone calls and SIMs, that's really useful because that's still the core identity thing on your phone. And there's been various ways to fix it. And it's, you know, some of the Android phones try and go down that route by having multiple instances of WhatsApp and things like that to try and do that convenience. But it does feel to me like that is a little bit of a shift and it is an opportunity for operators who are smart to kind of get into that space. Um, Because although it is driven by Google and Apple, ultimately they still own the infrastructure that makes these things possible. And yeah, it would be absolutely convenient for me if I can kind of have that virtualization across multiple devices and have all the billing come through one thing. Now, I want my iPad or my tablet or any other connected device all to use that same network. And if that's the only device I've got with me, I will use that to make a call, even if it looks awkward holding your watch up to your ear or doing the thing with the iPad or indeed any other device. And ultimately, I'll be quite happy if that extended into the home as well with some of the kind of, you know, smart devices you might have in the home. You know, that kind of sense of universal identity and pulling everything together is maybe where I think I can see kind of some interesting potential. I've got a cellular iPad that I pay a Mm. a fee for, you know, to have uh, that subscription. I've now got a cellular watch that I grudgingly pay a fee for to have live service every month. I'm not going to pay any more service subscriptions for any more devices. Until Apple brings the next thing up. Well, maybe. Like, I mean, if they they invent something. Cellular plan for your pen. (laughs) Maybe, Maybe. But actually, if you were to do a fitness tracker, a ring, a different kind of wearable, smart clothing. You know, like I can't have a subscription for all these devices. At some point, all of these things need to use my existing subscription and maybe make me sign up for a bigger subscription, more data plan, whatever. You know, like I will buy more, but I can't be making an incremental sort of subscription on every single product. And that's, I think, why moving into that network space unlocks more options because there's only so many things that are big enough and at high value enough devices that you're willing to pay a subscription. I mean, this Palm device, I think, you know, if it costs $350, you could sort of argue, okay, it needs a service plan. But when that becomes a $50 smartphone extension for your, you know, Mm. that you take out on a run or you take out on a night out, well, most of us that have those, we put prepay sims in, you know, we put a few quid in, we're not looking for an ongoing commitment. That's arguably the thing that's missing because you would need the business model to go with it. I mean, it's the same argument we would have about kind of IoT devices and, you know, becoming billions of connected devices. You know, that still has some challenges to unlock there. But I guess what it comes back to for me is, you know, I agree with all of that. It needs to be handled better. And likewise, I would not really want to pay a subscription on an Apple Watch. But I do think about the way I use those devices, actually the way they fit together and lock together and actually lock me into the ecosystem is to me something that's an interesting thing to think about because it is the change from the very singular converged smartphone device. And I think that trend, although it's not necessarily widespread, is only going to get stronger in the next few years. And that, you know, it's connected to all the trends you'd expect around cloud and moving away from the screen and there being a smart assistant that you can talk to, you know, powered by AI and everything else around that. And the fact that, you know, you are going to have probably multiple cameras and sort of connected devices in the home but there is still a challenge about how you make it seamless enough and easy enough so yes i mean we started by talking about palm i think it's a misstep but actually the idea that you use different things and you don't just have a singular smartphone i think is something that's here to stay all right you and so no to palm what's the companion device that you would get the only thing i can think of is a watch i can't think of i don't need anything else at the minute i'm fine i want a dash cam i want a dash cam in my car yeah. Hooked up. I want it to be... Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, automatic. Yeah, that's a good idea. Connected to my mobile account. I want it to stream up to my iCloud photos. That's something you might have to pay a subscription. I'll hook up to an existing subscription plan. Yeah. yeah. That'd be good. AR glasses. AR glasses. Okay. So when we start thinking about Magic Leap or HoloLens, I actually think that'll be the, the next thing yeah. that gets added That'd to your nice. yeah. personal device ecosystem. Yeah, because I'm, well, you and I are both glasses wearers. I'm, I'm kind of, keen on the idea of them becoming smart because it feels an obvious benefit to what is normally a bit of a drag but yeah it's going to be interesting to see how they something how they become connected and useful can i ask you guys a question about how do you tie your devices together anyway where do you store your contacts in the cloud yeah Uh, which cloud uh in lots of clouds 
That's interesting. So where are your personal contacts? Where's, where's Ben Smith's contact? Are they in Google or are they in iCloud? Personal contacts are in iCloud. Mm-hmm. Work contacts are in an Office 365, you know, Microsoft yeah, yeah, account. Is, yeah, yeah. Clients, data and contacts are in a different Office 365 account. So I've got, you know, probably as many cloud accounts as I have bits of my life. But the common one is then your contacts. What about your wife? Do you no, share? She lives, or she lives in our house. Yeah. She's in, in the house. Interesting. Uh, but does she <laughs> use iCloud then or Google or? She does use iCloud. Her work device is an Android device. So I, it does. I, all right. Interesting. I'm interested in yeah, how you connect things together because it's Google that connects everything for me. I wouldn't give Google all my data. Rafe, what are you? Mixture of clouds, much like Ben, to be honest. Mm. And that includes sort of work stuff as well as Apple. And then, yeah, I do use Google as well. So it's actually across all three. But when I got my latest iPhone, I restored the backup, ping, the data came down, and everything just carried on working. Yeah, it's and really so, smart, now, isn't it? It is, but I don't need a special companion device where syncing is a feature. It's a hygiene factor. Are you not that much of a fan, then, of this palm? <laughs> you haven't, haven't worked out, of course, for the last 50 minutes. Anyways, we should wrap up because we're running, we're running really long. So it'd be interesting to see. You can't buy the Palm in the UK. So uh, if you're listening to this in the UK and confused why you haven't seen it on offer, it's only Verizon in the US at the moment. Massive bit of investment. That'd be really interesting to see how that pays out. You can find us on 361podcast.com. You can find us at 361podcast on Twitter. You should join us on Twist where we're having a discussion forum and you can talk to other listeners and ourselves. And also, if you would like a 361 sticker, that is the place to ask for it. And I will post one out to you. So you can be part of the gang. With a handwritten letter. With a handwritten note if you'd like, or alternatively, I can not write to you. You can also request that if you'd like. And also, we would be enormously grateful if you would rate and review this podcast on iTunes, if you listen to it that way, because uh, every week I get an email and uh, listenership is down in Ireland this week. So we, Oh, we, we, no. We, I know. Oh, I know we're we, like number 400 or something. We're like 163 for tech news or something. But I'm really dreaming that we can get up into the 140s. You know, and I Excellent. think it would just be a total win to be, you know, 100, the wow. 140th most successful tech news podcast in Ireland. So, you know, if we can achieve that, it's big things. You know, my, my, I've got to write something on my LinkedIn profile. Impressive. Anyways, thank you very much, gents. We will be back in a couple of weeks. So, see you then. Bye bye.